All right, let's turn to Psalm 46 in the Old Testament. And let's talk today about the power of faith. Let me ask you a question. What does faith do for you personally? What is your Christian faith? Faith, what does it do for you? Does it do anything for you? Gives you hope? Peace? Keeps you going? Gives you joy? Okay. Gives you direction? Amen. All good answers. So I guess I don't need to preach. We can just go home. Okay. No, we, we better not. I think God wants to say something from this passage. Uh, it's only 11 verses. We're going to talk about 10 of them, or 9 or 10 or so. Let me read it first, and we'll pray, okay? The writer says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we come to these words, help us to cling to the truth that we see here, these truths that you reveal to us. And I pray, Father, that you will speak to us as we go through this time together. I pray, God, that this is the time when we really hear you speak the most from your scriptures and through your Holy Spirit. Father, we need you to come to us to uh, rescue us, to, to uh, save us, Lord. And we know that you will not delay. We know, God, that you are already wanting to be our, our strength, our refuge, our ever-present help in trouble. Thank you, God, that you do give us hope and faith and the desire to keep going and joy. All these things, they come from you, Lord. So I pray today as we uh, come here this morning, maybe, Lord, someone has been struggling with their faith. They've been struggling with how life and faith has worked out. And it's been, a, it's been hard. I pray that you would strengthen them today, Lord. Pray that you would also strengthen all of us, Lord, who, who maybe we haven't had anything to, to struggle with for a while. Life has been pretty calm and easy. I pray that you would just strengthen us for when those times uh, turn to turmoil, that when the waters do uh, rage, that you'll be there for us. We know that you will, Father. We praise you for that in Christ's name. Amen. You know, the world is looking for something to give them hope, to give them joy, to give them um, some sense of uh, stability in life. Our world that we live in is not a stable world. Just watch the stock market and you'll see how crazy it can be. Uh, and all, not just financially, but also culturally and just living in this nation and this world that we're in. Uh, there's not a lot of lot of stability. Where do you go? What happens when the sky is dark, the storms are blowing? Where's your faith? A lot of people don't have it. Do you? I hope so. What about when your finances are tight and you're not sure how you're going to be able to pay your bills? Where's your faith? In the banker? 
or the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. When the present is bleak, when the now is bleak, and the future isn't very bright, where's your faith? Where do you find that hope to cling on to to get you through these times that are struggles and hardships? In last Sunday's message, Jake Evans said that he quoted C.S. Lewis, who said this. He said that we are half-hearted creatures. We are half-hearted creatures. Did you catch that last week? I wrote a bunch of things down. I thought I heard a lot of good stuff out of Jake last Sunday. Why is that? Why are we half-hearted creatures? Because we see through worldly eyes. These are worldly eyes that we have. I have contacts in. You, many of you are wearing glasses. So, you know, we live and we, were, we look through this, at this world through worldly eyes. And, you know, we can barely see what's in front of us sometimes. We barely see what's coming against us. Right? We, we don't know when that disease is going to flare up. We don't know when something's going to happen. So we don't always see what's right in front of us. Sometimes we don't see what's coming tomorrow. Or, or ten days down the road, we can't see these things. That's why our faith in God is so important. Because he sees all these things way, way in front of us. So there's a power in having faith in God. Not the kind of power that, that is like wielding a weapon. It's not like that. But a power that enables us to keep going when other people quit. When the, when the person who doesn't have faith in God quits, we can keep going because we're trusting in God to get us through. Isn't that true? Yeah, amen. Our culture has been so thoroughly scrubbed or bleached with spirituality, many people today aren't even sure God really exists. Isn't that sad? In a country that in its founding documents talks about God over and over and over, uh, the reason why this country exists is because Christians came here looking for freedom to worship and serve God and to practice their religion the way they felt God wanted them to, and our culture has been bleached, basically, of our Christian faith. That's a shame. I think our country's in trouble because of that. I don't know about you, but I think that's true. Now, as Christians, we're to live by faith. No matter what the world does around us, you and I are to live by faith. Faith is a big part of our relationship with God. And over and over throughout our lives, at different points and different times, God whispers to us. He says, have faith, have faith, have faith. He keeps saying that to us because we are half-hearted creatures. Look at your outline this morning. Point number one, God says, have faith in him. He wants to be our strength. Now, all you guys are, you look like you're strong, healthy guys, right? Right? Amen? Well, for the most part, okay. I was kind of half-hearted, but that's all right. But no matter how strong we are or were or have been, we still need someone. That's right. We still need God in our lives. We need him to be our strength too, guys. Look at verses 1 to 3. God, this is a man speaking here. This is a man writing this. And he says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. In spite of all of that, we will not fear. Now, the writer of Psalm 46 was not David. David wrote an awful lot of these psalms. But this one was not written by David, but it's written by one of the sons of Korah. This son would have served in the tabernacle, and he wrote Psalm 46 as a worship song. So we read it, and we say it, but it was supposed to be sung. It would have been a song, a worship song. And now, his family was not perfect, right? Um, his family had a blemished history. Uh, Korah was one of his ancestors, and Korah was one of the leaders 
that rebelled against Ab uh, Moses and Aaron. And they said that all people should be able to, to go to God like, like you do. All people should be able to go into the Holy of Holies. All people should be able to approach God. And God has said, no, not, not everybody's going to get to do that. Not right now. And he rebelled against Moses and Aaron, and because of that, was condemned to death by God. So in spite of what his ancestors had done wrong, and he had done something wrong, he blasphemed against God, this son, the son of Korah, who wrote this psalm, did something very right. He wrote Psalm 46 to illustrate for us the power of faith in God. What, what do we think of the Bible? We think of the Bible as uh, a good book, a uh, history book, uh, lots of different lessons to be learned from it. But really, even the writers of the Old Testament wrote for us. Did you know that? Because God was one leading them to write these things. And so they wrote for us as well in the 21st century. They didn't think of it that way, but they were. God knew in advance that we would need to hear these words as well. So he led this son of Korah to write Psalm 46 for you and me. Because he knew that we would need help in our time. If you were to go down and you were to, to read through the Old Testament, if you were to write down all the passages throughout the Old Testament that talk about having faith in God, you will discover many of those passages also describe a power that comes when we have faith in God. That God gives us this ability, this power to persevere, to have hope, to have joy. Now, faith is built on knowledge. Did you know that? It is. It's built on knowledge. It helps to know something about who or what you're putting your faith in. We need to know something about who or what we're trusting in. But the only way to have a relationship with God is by faith. So we have to respond to him with faith. We have to believe that God will respond to our faith too. And this son of Korah said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. He wants to be your strength. Not the banker. Not your uh, coach, your workout coach. Not your doctor. As good as all those people are, God wants to be your strength, literally. To sing songs like Psalm 46 from the heart means you've experienced exactly what the writer is talking about. You've experienced God this way that he's talking about here. Look at verse 1 again. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Man, can you say amen to that? Yeah. Are you looking around for God when you're in trouble? You better be. You should. He expects you to. It's important to remember the times of life when, when God did that, though. When God was your refuge. When he was your strength. When his presence in your life helped you overcome or get through something you weren't prepared for. We, we parents are funny. We try to raise our kids and prepare them for the future, but there's really no way that we can do that. We do the best we can and, and, and because we're limited, but everybody's got to grow up and live life their own way, and they've got to learn how to live life to a certain degree by themselves. You know? I mean, that's just the way it is. That's the way things are because they're unique too. So it's important that we're prepared in advance that we get ready, but we get ready the right way by trusting in God now so that when those storms come or the bills can't be paid or we're struggling through something we're not prepared for, God will be there. He'll carry us through. A great example of this is Joshua. I don't know if you know who Joshua was. He led the nation of Israel into the promised land. And before, he, before God sent Joshua and the people into the promised land, he called out to Joshua and he told him this in Joshua 1 verse 9. He said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. 
for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Man. Think about that, because in that era, in that time of Joshua's life, most people carried their gods wherever they went. They had the little bitty household gods they carried around. That if they moved it, they had to move, they had to put their little god in something and take God with them. You and I don't take God anywhere, do we? He's already there. We don't carry him. That's why we don't have images. That's why we don't have little idols of God. Because first of all, we're told not to do those things, but we don't God doesn't need us. So he's already wherever we need him to be. He's going to be there. That's why he's an ever-present help in trouble. You can go on vacation and get in trouble. God will help you. You can stay in your house or go in your backyard. God will help you. Go to the grocery store. Go shopping. Come to church. Get in trouble at church. God will help you. I hope so. <laughs> God knew everything that Joshua would experience when he went into the promised land. Both the victories and defeats. He already knew this in advance. So God told Joshua he'd be with him wherever he went. I'll be with you. That God would be his refuge, his strength. That God would be his ever-present help in trouble. That's comforting to me. I don't know about you, but it's very, very, very comforting to me. Years later, this is what God, uh, Joshua said about God and to God in Joshua 24, verse 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He'd spent his lifetime following God, doing what God called him to do. Relying on God to be his refuge, his strength, his help, ever-present help in trouble. And God came through, so he says, look, I'm, I'm, I'm here at the end of my age. I'm going to commit my life again. I'm going to keep on going with God no matter what. And he'll be, my, he'll be with me no matter where I go. So you see, I believe it. When God says he'll be our refuge and strength, I believe him. I take him at his word. I believe that he really is our ever-present help in trouble, and I hope you do too. And if you don't, I hope you will. Because, friend, you need to. Point number two, God says have faith in him. Heaven will not fall. I like this part here. Look at verse four with me. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. And God will help her at the break of day. I don't know about you, but that is a very beautiful statement. That is a very, it's an incredibly encouraging statement. It tells us there's a place that's, untainted by sin, that's uncorrupted by sin, that's impervious to attack, that is fully capable of being defended. It's a stronghold that will never be defeated, ever. Heaven will never fall. Now, we don't think about it this way, because in our world, our lifetimes, war is much different than it used to be. It used to be that if you wanted to conquer a people, you went and took their city. So the city had to fall. That's what that means. Like Jericho's walls come tumbling down, right? Well, we don't think of it that way, but that's the way the writer's talking. He's talking about a city, a city called God's city, the city of God, right? Yeah. There is a river whose streams may glad the city of God. That's heaven. And heaven simply will never, ever fall. When I read this, I visualize heaven like a mighty, mighty fortress on top of a mountaintop. It's, it's a place of eternal permanence. It's very hard to get to. There's only one way there. Look at verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Why does heaven have a river? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why does heaven have a river? The Bible talks about a number of rivers. There's the Euphrates River, Tigris River, 
there's the Jordan River, there's the Nile, there's the Jabbok River. There's a number of these rivers. Why does it talk about rivers? Because water symbolizes life. Water, uh, every city in the ancient world needed a water source. Just like Lawrence, Kansas needs a water source. And so rivers used to supply life, water. And that's what you need to defend your city was to have water, a good source of water. But water symbolizes life. It symbolizes refreshment. It also symbolizes eternal life with God in heaven. You want to read about this river in heaven, go to Revelation 22, and you'll see this river, and you'll, you can read about it there later. And Jesus told the woman at the well, he said this in John 4, 14, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. It was hot Friday. I was out mowing and trimming my trees and, and doing things and walking my dog and doing all kinds of stuff. And it was hot, and I got really, really thirsty. Took a big drink of water, and it just felt refreshing to have that drink of water. It says, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So you see that water is, uh, is, it symbolizes life. And so heaven has a river of water. It makes sense to have a river in heaven, doesn't it? Yeah. Look at verse 5. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Man, there's not much in this life that's permanent, is there? Not really. Our clothes wear out. Our shoes wear out. We, we aren't permanent. We fade, don't we? Our hair gets, begins to fall out over time, thin and fall out. Our eyes go bad. There's not much in this life that's permanent. Just ask those folks in Linwood, right? Or ask Terry and Perry Wade. They got hit by the tornado. So there's not much really in this world that's permanent. That tornado, when it, when it came through, I didn't realize this when we drove down K-10 the other day, saw all those trees that got tore apart. It just rips everything in its, in its path. And, and it destroys everything. That's what tornadoes do, by the way. I don't expect tornadoes to be nice, do you? No. But they're unsafe, and they make, they make us realize the world is unsafe. Part of our human nature is longing for a safe place. We want safety, don't we? A place that's dependable, a place that's indestructible, a place that's reliable. Only heaven can fill that desire we have. The only place that you're ever really, truly, ever going to be safe is with God. Even with God in this world, we're going to go through struggles and trials and persecutions. But in heaven, we'll have none of that. First Peter 1, verse 3 and 5. Listen to what Peter said. I think he really said it best. He said this. He said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. If you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, Lord, you have something waiting for you in heaven. It's kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, our salvation is not totally revealed yet. Even though we're saved, if we are, we are saved, we're not totally saved because we're not in heaven yet. That gets revealed at the end of time. And you can travel the whole world. You can join the Navy like Lyle did. You can travel the whole world. You can cross oceans, climb mountains, go down in the deepest caves. You can build massive, a massive castle or fortress on a, on a mountaintop, but the only place that's truly safe and permanent 
is heaven. That's it. That is, that's all there is. So make heaven your eternal destiny. It will never fall and God will never fail. Never. I love it when the Bible says that. That we don't have to worry because God will never fail. Number three, God says have faith in him and watch him work in the world. Do you want to see God work in the world today? you got to have faith. And you got to stop looking through the world through, at the world through worldly eyes. God says have faith in him. Watch him work in this world. I think the church needs to start doing that. I think we need to go out through our week and just look for ways that God's working. Many of them are small ways, by the way, in people's lives that we barely know. We went and got, Ann and I went and got our hair cut a week or so ago, and the girl that cut our hair had a cross on, and I noticed she started talking a little bit, and I didn't really bring anything up, but she just kind of started talking a little bit in Christian language, like, uh, praise God. Praise God for this. She said something about praise God for this, and she told me what it was. And, and she just uh, had a little bit of language in her, in her, in her talk. That made me think, well, maybe she's a Christian. So the next time I go back, I'm going to talk to her a little bit about it and see if she wants to visit our church. If she's not going to church anywhere, hopefully she is. But if she's not, she'd be welcome here, right? Yeah. Look for those folks. Let God prompt you. Let God prompt you to talk to somebody. Sometimes he prompts us to listen. Sometimes he prompts us to talk and tell them about him. Let's listen to God. You can travel all over the world, but the only place you're going to find that's going to be safe is with God. And we got to watch Him work in the world, in the world around us. We get too discouraged. It's too, too hard. Just as many people today doubt the existence of God, others believe He's uninterested in this world. That He doesn't really care about this world. That He put this world in place, set it in motion, and now it's off and operating on its own. That doesn't make sense to me. Does it make sense to you? Why would God create this world and then abandon it you know that's like you and i having a child and abandoning that child at a very young age to to just die on its own why, why would and what's holding the world together if god doesn't care right yeah what's holding the world together nothing when asked if he believed in god jordan peterson said this he said i think the proper response to that is no but i'm afraid he is huh <laughs> See how there's a double standard there, how he has this, trying to have it both ways. I'm, I, the world tells me I shouldn't, I shouldn't believe in God, but in my heart, I'm afraid he might, he just might. Friends, that's not faith, is it? No, that's uncertainty. And uncertainty is the total polar opposite of faith. Look at verse 6 and 7 with me. The man who wrote this was pretty wise. It says, nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Throughout history, nations have been in turmoil. Always been in turmoil. You think our world's crazy? It's always been this crazy. Might have been crazier at different times. Kingdoms have fallen, risen and fallen again. But God is still here. He's here. He's unshaken. He's undefeated. He's victorious. Who else is worthy of your trust or your faith in God? Nothing and no one. Only God is. And trusting an unseen God doesn't make you some type of simpleton, some uneducated person who doesn't know the world. It actually takes more faith to not believe in God than it takes faith to believe in God. Did you know that? 
you got to disallow a lot of different facts out there, and millions of facts out there. Like, how did the world come together? And why is our universe set in such a way that it provides life when so many other planets and solar systems can't provide life because they don't have the right ingredients? But somehow the, the universe we live in, everything's in the right place. We're just in the right spot to have enough sun and not too much and not too le less to survive. Isn't that amazing? Just simple things like that. Where did the stars come from? And how come we keep seeing the same ones all the time? You know? You don't have to be a simpleton. You're not a simpleton if you believe in God. Don't let people tell you that. So-called enlightened people today believe, don't believe in Satan. They don't think Satan's real. They think evil is a force produced by terrible people like Hitler, Stalin, people like that. Beware of people who think that way. Beware of them because Satan is real. Satan is very real and he hates everybody. Even the people who say they worship Satan, he hates them. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, he hates them. He hates everyone. He especially hates God's people. But your faith in God will shield you from Satan's attacks. He will attack you, but God's faith, your faith in God and God himself will protect you. Ephesians 6.16, in addition to this, I'm sorry, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of who? The evil one. The evil one. That means a being. In Ephesians 6.16, Paul reminds us God protects his people from the attacks of Satan. So take hope in that. Pity the person who has no faith in God because they have no shield of faith against the evil one. Pity them more than anything else. And then number four, God says, be still in your faith. Be still. Do you ever get something happens and you just get jittery? You get really upset? We've got to learn to be still in our faith. I've lived in Kansas most of my life. I've lived in Missouri for a time. We lived in Colorado for a little over a year. I've never been as close to a tornado as I was just those few weeks ago. Never been that close. That, that, I think it was maybe a mile away at the most. It wasn't that far. I've never been in a war zone. I've never been persecuted for my faith in Jesus Christ. I've had an easy life in that sense. God's taking care of me. But almost every day, we all know somebody who has some experience that shakes their world. It doesn't have to be a war or a tornado or persecution. It just has to be anything. Anything that this world, it shakes their worldview. It shakes their lives. Something happens, and our faith in God is stressed. Look at what the son of Korah wrote in verse 10. Look again, verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that God is God. When everything falls apart, God is still there. What happened in his life that caused this guy to say this about God? Or for God to say this to him? I don't know. I don't know that much about this man. It doesn't tell us about The Bible doesn't tell us about these, these guys, these sons of Korah. But it does tell us the history of Israel, and it has been a very troubled history. Now, before his, Israel existed as a nation, its people were constantly attacked, harassed, threatened with annihilation. They were oppressed. Eventually, they lost their homeland. Why? Because they let go of their faith in God. God never let go of the people of Israel. They let go of him. And that's, our, that's our problem, too. We let go of God. God doesn't let go of us. 
So this is why we're told throughout the Bible to hold on to God with a grip like a vice. It's like a vice grip, you know, and never, ever let go. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he promised is faithful. One of the things I like about the Christian faith is we aren't made to, we aren't told or taught to make some sort of oath, some pledge to God. We simply surrender to God. God is the one who says, I'll make the promise. I'll make the pledge. I'll, I'll save the oath to protect you. And he does. He already, he's done it throughout, his, throughout the Word, throughout the Bible. So we don't do that. We simply surrender to him, and he promises to take care of us. Faith is the seedling of salvation, too, by the way. It's the beginning of salvation. It's not the end or, or the most part. It's just the very beginning. To be saved, we have to believe what the Bible says about God, about Jesus Christ, that he lived a perfect life, that he died for sinners like us, and that if we trust or have faith in him, he will save us because Jesus said he would. Never forget John 14, verse 1, where Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, Trust in God, trust also in me. Speaking of himself. He says, look, you trust in God, you can trust in me. And I, I believe in that. Our invitation song today is, Let Jesus Come Into Your Heart. It's an old hymn, it's an old song. What does it mean? It's written long ago. Does it mean anything for us today? Sure it does. It means to let him into your life. Let Jesus into your life. Ask him to forgive your sins. Let him be the Lord of your life, your Savior. Give him control. Let him guide and direct you. Let's stand as we get ready to sing, let Jesus come into your life. Father, we thank you for the privilege of worshiping.